welcome to Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies. And sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready, because here come the spoilers. I feel like my my notes for this one are the worst notes I've taken for any of these movies. Yeah, I think so too, for me. I, yeah, I went to, we watched it last night, and, um... Then I woke up super early this morning, as I figured I would probably do. I went to the couch and threw on Jigsaw again, just to have it on, and then fell asleep. <laughs> so I didn't quite watch this one twice, but I maybe I got an extra dose of it subconsciously. Well, what's so funny is that this one came out in 2017, which is only three years ago. And yeah. so as I was watching it, I was vividly remembering having seen it in the theaters. We and saw it together. We saw it together. It was our first Saw movie that we saw in theaters together, which was great. Yeah. And I remember that like when we left the movie, I don't know if you remember this, but I was like, that was okay. And you were like, yeah. um. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty hard on my my movies. Like the especially the first time I watch them, I'm like, this wasn't good enough. <laughs> and but yeah, I, that was sort of how I felt about this movie. I agree. I think that, well, okay, so I don't agree. I think that the way that I treat these movies is I have an extremely low expectation for any of them to perform in any way. And I think that that helps a lot. And we saw Jigsaw, um, the eighth Saw movie, after we had marathoned literally back to back the previous yeah. seven movies. Was this one of our Gal Pal weekends? It was. Yeah, we okay. did we did a Gal Pal weekend, which um, for those of you who have never even heard of the concept of a Gal Pal weekend, how dare you? Where have you been? Megan and I do a friend sleepover party, pretty much solid from Friday night to Saturday to Sunday to Sunday. It's a full weekend. And we uh, eat a bunch of food. Um, we drink, we watch movies, um, and we just have a great time. And one of our weekends, we, we watched all of the Saw movies knowing that Jigsaw was coming out so that, so that we could go and watch Jigsaw. And I think that coming out of that marathon of the previous seven movies, I was like cross-eyed. I couldn't like, (laughs) I, I was like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever done to myself. And then we went and saw Jigsaw and- there are some things about Jigsaw that I think are more enjoyable than the other movies, but purely on a technical level, like for me, yes, some of the, like, I feel like they've learned and grown from like the years in between the last movie and this one. And, um, so that, that helped in some regards. There's some, there's some plot holes that I didn't like. Um, the, dialogue is still pretty cheesy um so I think that we can we can get into all of those things but I will say it is not my least favorite of the Saw movies yeah it's definitely not my least favorite by a long shot I mean this one got 33% on Rotten Tomatoes so that's pretty good for a Saw movie (laughs) um but this what I didn't like about this one is how removed it felt from the canon I personally Mm -hmm. don't consider this part of the canon of jigs of the saw series which I know is not my decision to make but (laughs) personally I 
I felt very offended by this. Um, you know, we have, we're, we're seeing Jigsaw again. Um, he's alive, which is mm-hmm. cool. There, there's that cool twist in the movie. But now we're being told, oh, this is actually the first set of traps. And we've, we've never met this character, this new character before. Um, yeah. And this has, this doesn't, weave in the story with the last seven at all and and you know there's too many flashbacks in the last in the previous seven movies but even without the flashbacks they do take the time to weave in those threads and have it sort of make sense at least in that universe (laughs) to me this felt like a different universe which I'm okay with if the creators express that I, I don't like it when movies come out that are supposed to be part of an existing franchise or existing canon and they they act like they're part of it but they're really not right kind of drove me a little bonkers and I, I that's just I think I probably weight that more heavily with this movie than you might no I completely a hundred percent agree because I think that one of the best things that they did in the first seven movies is this concept that jigsaws first traps are pretty rudimentary they're really old school they're him using you know a football helmet and like using that as the bait as the basis for like these head headlock traps that he does or just like literally putting kitchen knives like strapped to a chair like they're really really low budget they're um low sophistication and as the movies go they try to establish that they get more and more sophisticated over time because some of these traps that jigsaw has in the first seven movies are you know these huge complex feats of mechanical engineering (laughs) you know like that one where um they're they've got the pigs that the pig carcasses on hooks that they're are going around like a loop and then dropping into that like meat grinder thing. Like yeah. that's, they're just wild. They're totally wild traps. And this movie totally resets that and shows that, you know, very, very, very early on. And maybe you can help me square the timeline here because um, I, I'm not sure that I completely understand where some of the previous movies fit with this movie. And I think it's just because they're trying to totally like retcon this, but this shows that one of his first traps is extremely technically competent. Yeah. It is. There are some traps in here that are just so, so complex and so far outside of anything that he had done in any of the previous seven movies. And for the first set of traps just seems really, um, really wrong. It just feels wrong for the, the franchise. It feels wrong for his character development. I feel like it totally throws his technical development and his like morals like out the window. So I agree with you that it feels like a reset, but they never state that it's a reset and that and that drags it down for me. It's really hard for me to imagine the John Kramer of this movie, you know, who's creating a giant spiral Hot knife trap. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Like, these are just really convoluted, complex traps. Um, It's really hard for me to imagine this John Kramer sitting down with Cecil, studying the way that trap is working, and having Cecil break out of it, and then take notes on him climbing through razor wire. Like, this John Kramer would have figured that out already. He would not need to have this type of exploratory 
moment. I know I know we normally do our like recommendations at the end, but I like want to cut to the chase and just be like, this is a, a fine Saw movie for people who have never seen any of the previous Saw movies. Oh yeah. Zach actually liked it. He liked it a lot, actually. <laughs> I think that there's some yeah, I think that if you don't think of it as part of the franchise, if you think of it as as, oh, this is bonus content. You know, kind of how we treated Saw Rebirth, where like you know, when Saw Rebirth, the one-shot comic was released between Saw 1 and Saw 2, um, it was this, like, great additive to it. But then as the franchise developed, it canonically doesn't make sense anymore to the overall story. And um, it just – I think as a as a big fan like we are of these movies and having seen, seen all the other ones and taken the time to try and learn and remember and, like, internalize the – steps that it really took to get John into the character of Jigsaw, um, it's, it makes it hard to appreciate. Well, should we just, should we just dive in? Yeah, we should. Did you watch the trailer this time? I did not. (laughs) Oh man, I actually made a point to watch it. it It's it's fine, but it was very, you know, he's back. It felt very much like those 80s slasher franchises coming back, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy's back or Freddy's in space or Jason and yeah. <laughs> He's our Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah. It felt like, yeah, it felt like that kind of trailer. So I remember going in thinking, oh, how are they going to do this? Like, how is he still alive? Um, because he's not set up to be one of these paranormal monsters. He's he's just a dude. So um, I went into it not expecting how it ended. Um, I'll just say that, but yeah. Yeah. You know, what's really funny is that having seen the first seven, we know what tools are in the Saw movie producer and director and writer's toolboxes, which is um, the flashback and time manipulation, right? Like our, our our expectation of what the timeline actually is versus um, the reality of the situation that these characters are in. And if I, I think the first time like seeing this movie, I was like, yeah, like this is funny. Like, cause they, in Saw 4, you get this extended autopsy scene where they are like slashing him open and pulling all his They're guts out. In. You know, he's dead. You know, he's dead. And so the first time going in, I should have been suspicious about the timeline and if there was like going to be a flashback element to this or not. So in this one, we, we, I just want to like say this um, before I get started is that uh, we watched this movie in 4k. So it's like a beautiful movie to watch. (laughs) Yeah, it actually is. I was, I'm glad you pointed that out because I was thinking that the whole time I was watching just, oh, this is kind of a lovely barn. (laughs) This is a lovely setting. The budget for this movie was $10 million, which is less than some of the other Saw movies. Mm-hmm. And it is the most beautiful of all the Saw movies. The cinematography is great. There's this beautiful, beautiful lighting in, this, in the barn scenes with the victims. Um, the, the kind of like God rays coming around Billy the Puppet were just yes. like so awe-inspiring. I love his <laughs> entrance and all of its grandeur. And his sparkly little shoes and his very polished face. He's so adorable. (laughs) 
I want to make one. They really kind of cleaned up Billy the Puppet. He's got these like yes. glowing red eyes, but the glow on them is a lot nicer. It's just so funny. Like that you can tell where they put some of their budget into this movie. And I feel like their director of photography and their cinematographer just like kudos. Kudos to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they must have, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, but it seems like they must have saved a lot by using more CGI rather than practical effects. I'm not sure if that would save money or not, but I noticed that shift. There's just a lot more CGI in this one, it seemed like. I bet by 2017 that CGI is at that tipping point where it is cheaper than practical effects in some ways. Right. But so, yeah, we do get to see this Billy doll, and he is clean and sparkly. And gee, I wonder why right? Wink, wink. When I saw this, I was like, oh, he looks so cute because it's a new movie. (laughs) It didn't uh, tip me off as a clue, but we'll see this actually is he's cleaned up for a reason. We'll find out by the end of the movie. Right. Um, So quick, quick plot summary before we we dive into to this one. We have uh, a new set of detectives we because all of the other ones as we know them are dead okay so (laughs) this plot oh god um I'm gonna try it and then if I totally botch it like I'm just gonna (laughs) I'm just gonna read like the google summary (laughs) (laughs) the plot for this movie has as per usual the uh detectives and the police force on one side in in our B plot, and then we have um, a set of victims this time in our A plot. And it's very similar to Saw 5, where we have five victims who are going through um, an, ab- an abandoned building. Um, here we see that it's a, it's a barn, an abandoned building, and must work together in some way to, to survive these traps. And on the other side, we have two detectives that we've never seen before in the franchise who are um, in pursuit of potentially a Jigsaw copycat because they've told us at the beginning of the movie that Jigsaw has been dead for 10 years. And um, they are, throughout the course of the movie, um, coming into contact with these bodies that have all of the markers of um, a Jigsaw killing. Including his DNA including his DNA. So it's a very convi- very convincing that Jigsaw <laughs> is, is back in these movies. We also have these two pathologists um, who, one of them I think is a great character, the other one very middling, who are suspected of being the Jigsaw copycat killers for a few different reasons. And so it's this kind of cat and mouse between the pathologists and the detectives, while at the same time they're trying to figure out if Jigsaw is actually back and if they can try and save any of the people who are currently going through yet another round of Jigsaw traps. I love how the white cop comes out um, at the very beginning and he goes, Edgar, what the fuck you doing? And his, he's just, he has this big smile on his face with his big teeth and he's just like gritting through his smile saying this. I thought that was like, I thought that was a pretty decent decent line of acting, but um, I just loved his entrance. I thought it was funny. Uh, yeah. I think that Halloran, the, that detective is actually like a pretty good, unlikable character. Like they do it. They do enough for him to make him be like kind of an asshole, but you enjoy watching him. So yeah. I, I appreciated that. 
I did it. That was the plot. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So trap one, we kind of jump in right away after we 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 see our uh, detective entrance. Um, this this new set of traps is being set off by I don't know some dude who's running from the cops and his name's Edgar and. He has a button that he has to push and he pushes a button and it starts the traps. I, I really like don't care <laughs> about Edgar. <laughs> yeah, Edgar is such is such a side character. He comes yeah. he comes back later um and is kind of used he's used more of a of a plot device than he is as a character. So I don't right. think we need to like talk about him at all. Yeah. They so the detectives they chase him up onto a roof. Um he's got this trigger in his hand. Um, and he's shouting all these crazy things about the game. Can he just stop for a minute and say like, oh, hey, I'm in a jigsaw trap. I have to push this button or he'll kill me. Like, can he just stop and say that for a I second? I know. Literally a three second sentence to explain what's going on. Because you see him on the rooftop. He has minutes. He has minutes yeah. that they're doing this face off. Trap one, I called Butterface. What'd you call it? Saw five Boogaloo. Yeah. This is another group trap. And it felt a lot like the first trap in Saw 5. Very similar. I remember feeling a little disappointed by that. It's it's five people. They're hooked up on one side of the room. Um, actually, they're not hooked up. They're just on one end of the room. And they are connected by a chain kind of like past the wall and outside into a larger space that they cannot yet see. Um, mm-hmm. But opposite the wall of them is a is a wall of just uh, table saws, <laughs> just round blades jutting out of the wall. And once the trap starts, what they have to do is offer a sacrifice of blood, no matter how small. This is pretty much the only clue that they're given in the video. Um, and so one by one, they start testing this, right? to see if he's lying or not. And they yeah. come up to the blades, cut their arm a little bit. Um, it gets a little haywire for a couple of them. Um, and then the, the fifth, the fifth body uh, that we see, it has just, it's just slumped on the ground. It's not, this body isn't awake. It's not conscious. So this person can't really help themselves and nobody goes to help him. No, he, he wakes up, he wakes up as he's approaching the trap and um starts screaming and it's too late like he he just gets he gets pulled in the, into the trap you don't you don't see what happens to him because the others are being pulled by this chain through the open doors on the other side it's very trap oriented i think that there's there's a decent amount with the detectives and with the pathologists but i do feel like in this movie they spend a more equal amount of time on the traps than they do with the detectives which is what people are here for like I feel like that's one of the things that they learned from the previous movies is to not waste too much time with the detective part of the story yeah thankfully and and I felt like the chain is sort of like a literal it's like a metaphor for that part of the plot right let's keep this going let's get to the next trap yeah I I really (laughs) wish that they had been able to figure out a way to keep the chains going yes throughout the whole like I remember I wrote this down too. I felt the same way. Uh, The device is really, really clever. And like to just show, you know, in a, in a symbolic way that like everyone is, is chained to 
their past, they're chained to their lies, they're chained to their existing ways of thinking. And it's only by, you know, doing a radical jigsaw rehab (laughs) that they're (laughs) able to free themselves from, from this trap. And they're able to like release themselves from the things that are holding them back. And they abandoned it after the second one. And I was, I, I really liked yeah. it. I liked it as a device. I think it was a really cool storytelling method that they just don't carry through. So it was a, kind of a missed opportunity, but I do really like that they have it for the first and second ones. Yeah. Trap two comes right after we get our glorious Billy entrance. Um, I was confused about trap two slash trap three. This is, this might've just been one trap. Mm-hmm. Um, but trap two well, let's let's not call it trap two yet. First, they're asked to confess. Um, and so they're being pulled after they're they get out of the buckethead room. They're pulled across the barn, they you know, this great barn, um, into what looks like some gears, or I, I'm not exactly sure what they're being drawn into. But they they're being told to confess. Um, and then Mitch, who's one of our characters, he he sees a tape, he grabs it, and he plays it, and this triggers their chains to fall out of the gears in front of them. So now the chains are only rigged to the ceiling, mm-hmm. which I felt turned into the next trap. Now that I I couldn't tell if this was two traps happening or just the one. I think it's the one, and it's but it's you're totally right that it's not clear. And I think that there are some things throughout this series of traps that are really there. There are some plot holes. I think that there, there are some things that are not thought through and there are some things that were like, the traps are very loose in terms of plotting. But I do think that this one, that kind of first part was just kind of like an actual like entryway into trap two. Okay. Because and then trap two, I find challenging because it's all oriented around this one girl. So there's a yeah. there's a girl who is um, a purse snatcher. So as the the tape is being played, they we know that this trap is basically her trap, which feels a little weird to me that they have this group of people like in Saw Five and in you know in Saw Five. Every trap is for every person. It's the right. French. It's the friendship games. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a little more like Saw Two, where they're going through the house, and each of the rooms in the house is specific to a person. Um, in you know where they have their own tape and everything, and you're like, well, this is convenient that they assumed mm-hmm. that these people would be alive to get into these rooms where their traps are set up specifically for them. Right. There's no reason to believe that she would have survived the previous room. I mean, why, why, why would we assume that? I thought Jigsaw didn't assume anything. But we see a lot of assumptions in this one, you know, like in later traps too, there's just a lot of assumptions being made. So anyway, she's a purse snatcher and there are three syringes, syringes and on the tape, she is told that um, she needs to confess, of course, and in the three syringes, one of them is uh, saline, one of them is acid, and then one of them is an antidote. Of course. Of course. 
Too bad it wasn't glowing green like in Saw 2. That would have made this a lot easier. And the thing that's really frustrating here is that, kind of skipping ahead, knowing knowing that Jigsaw doesn't have any doctor henchmen at this point and still somehow has antidote <laughs> and poison just kills me. You know, it's like that's one of like the plot hole things that really bothers me is that at least in the other ones, they do flashbacks that retcon you know, Lawrence Gordon. get those things? Yeah. Yeah, to be able to like help get these like medical type things. And we just know that he wouldn't actually have access to that at this point. So that's just really frustrating as a viewer. Yeah. This trap frustrates me a lot actually because the point of it is to talk, you know, to determine the worth of a person's life, right? This is, Mm -hmm. this is tied to her selecting the right syringe. There's some numbers on the syringes that, don't seem to make any sense except to her. And she calls out one of the syringes as the amount in the purse that she stole. Yep. So why does she waste so much time? She should just inject it and be done with it. It's so obvious that that's the right one. I, I mean, know. the other numbers are so far off. I think that the the guy, Ryan, who is holding the syringes in front of her, who he's like the first of his type of character that we've seen in the Saw movie series, um, which I really appreciated. He has this kind of like wry, sarcastic sense of humor. And he's also kind of a dick, (laughs) you know, like, and I was like, oh, we haven't gotten someone who like is deploying like humor in this way. Um, But we have seen characters who behave similarly to him. Yeah, like Xavier in episode two. And in the last one, it was Charles, the bald guy. And the investigative journalist in Saw 5. I think that they're all kind of in the same camp, right? Yeah. And so she says, you know, $3.23 or whatever it is. It's like $3.23 or $3.73 is what she... Three fifty three. Yeah. She was willing to let someone die so that she could have three dollars and some change, and she she says it out loud, and he's just like, "Well, there's no time," and he shoves all three of them into her. <laughs> I mean, she is sitting there screaming for a while, though. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then by the time he shoves them in her, they are already being strung up by their necks. So she she's been. I mean, at some point when they start getting pulled up in the air they can't really control what they're doing anymore right um yeah yeah and and i'm not saying he didn't purposely inject her with all three needles but she wasted a lot of time just not going with her gut and and i think her gut should have told her to just put that inject her with that needle it drove me nuts that she kind of just stood there screaming instead of just going for it because the last trap worked why wouldn't this one work Right. And so she, she's gotten stabbed with these three needles and one of them has acid in it. And I just, whenever they use acid in these movies, I just have to imagine that there's someone on set who's like, Hey, has anyone like Googled what acid actually does when it gets injected into a body? And and they're like, doesn't matter. We're going to have blood spurt out of her ear. Yeah. (laughs) I I remember thinking that too. I, I was like, is that what it would look like? 
Because literally the side of her face starts melting and blood starts spurting. It's not like blood is coming out of her ear. It's like spurting actively out of her ear. It's it's a wild scene. And like, but it's fun to watch. And I will say like, we're shitting on this one a lot because we feel a little let down with how it changes the canon. But it it's a kind of a, a fun movie to watch for the trap scenes at least because they are yeah. different. They're shot well, they're CGI, like the effects are pretty good. Yeah. So I think that it's, it is an inter- entertaining thing to watch. Totally. And this is when we lose the chain. And I was so bummed when they did that. <laughs> yeah. The chain releases from their necks because a decision was made. She's killed. And we switch over. We switch over. So we've got our new cops. We've got two detectives who don't really matter. Um, they're not actually our protagonists on the non-victim side, though. Our protagonists are Logan, a pathologist who um, they make a very serious point to remind you as an audience over and over that he was in Fallujah. They have, and then the other pathologist, um, she is a She's more of like a coroner, but she works with Logan, the pathologist. Um, Her name's Eleanor, and she is like the sexiest person in any Saw movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She does not belong here. (laughs) No. She she is great. I love her. (laughs) Yeah. She goes, when she finds out like that, that it's, you know, Jigsaw, right? Uh His DNA. She goes, Jig fucking Saw. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was so funny. It's great. She, so I love her because she is a Jigsaw fangirl. Just like us. I love that she's like us. But I mean, I, okay, so there are people in real life who are serial killer fangirls. Like it's actually like in, in the true crime community, it's this weird, it's this weird kind of subculture where there are people who are really fascinated and interested by these serial killers. So they'll like watch documentaries. They'll, they'll listen to podcasts. They'll read about them. Yeah. And then there are some that like take it maybe a little bit further. Like you see people who start to get like Dahmer tattoos and like, yeah. And, and, that. and that's kind of where you're like, Oh, we don't, we don't like them. We need to make a like clear distinction here <laughs> that like, we don't, we don't like or endorse what they're doing. We're morbidly fascinated by it. There's a big difference. And so when we meet her, you know, they're doing um, an autopsy on uh, um, Buckethead, right? So there's, you know. The first Buckethead. The first Buckethead, the guy who got pulled into um, the circular saw wall. And um, they're realizing that it's Jigsaw. And you're not totally sure what side of the Jigsaw fangirl that she's on. So they're like trying to maybe throw some suspicion early on towards her. So we, yeah, we meet her, we meet her uh, a little more closely and then we come back to the traps, which is really why we're all here. Totally. Trap four, I called operation. Trap four, I called goodbye foot. So this is the one where we have now, only three people left. We have Anna, who they're they're kind of positioning her as our lead victim, and she's the sensible one. She's the sensible one. There's always yeah. one, right? Yeah. And then there's Ryan, who is the sarcastic, kind of selfish one. He's the one who jammed the needles into um, our purse snatcher girl who died. And then we've got 
Mitch, Mitch. who's just like a, he's like a young black guy. We don't really know anything about him at this point. Yeah. He seems nice and it seems like he messed up. And I think that he has like, at this point, confessed a little bit. All of them have confessed little kernels, sort of, about their their lies and their indiscretions, but they haven't actually committed to telling each other what they've done. There's just kind of, there's stuff around. There's this big like grain silo with a door open and there's this door that's like painted like really ominously. It says no exit. And so of course, like Ryan rushes to it and like, is like like shaking on the door to try and get out. So he, he, um, it's sort of like a booby trap, you know, because Jigsaw left a message saying, don't go there. Um, Ryan goes there because he's Ryan. He's He plays the role of the asshole. So he falls through the deck that is is right before the door, and he becomes booby-trapped. His leg is stuck between, what do you call it? It's it's really heavy wire. Yeah, it's like this um high-tension high steel wire. Yeah. Um, is all interlaced underneath the flooring in front of this door and it immediately like seizes around his leg and if he tries to like pull on his leg like it seems like it gets maybe tighter and there is a tape (laughs) there's a tape down there that says ryan on it yeah i love how in the operation trap if somebody touches a wire in this trap it will clamp down further on his leg and so what does mitch choose to use to try and reach down and grab this cassette tape with it's a rake he picks a rake like one of the biggest clunkiest tools in the barn and um of course it doesn't work he has to reach down with his hand but i just thought that was hilarious and and this is the thing this is why like when i was saying earlier like some of the the plotting around the traps that I don't love is normally, and you said like Jigsaw doesn't make assumptions typically. And in this one, it's like, not only did he assume that Ryan would have lived to this point, but he assumed that Ryan was going to be the one to try and open the door and get his legs stuck. Like it's just so many things needed to go right for this, for this booby trap to happen. Yeah. And this is supposed to be, again, his first trap. How would he know his victims this well? Like if this is his first foray into this, he just wouldn't. Yeah. So yeah, it kind of drove me nuts. I mean, you know, it didn't have to say Ryan. It it could have said, play me. Right. And, right. and we could have assumed that Jigsaw was watching. Totally. We could make an assumption that Jigsaw... Or whoever set up these traps, well, I guess we'll see, um, is on the other side of this watching as they're going and then is like resetting things up as they like right before they move through into the next phase. But that would just be something that Jigsaw has never done in any any other movie. It'd also be very clunky and prone to mistakes or somebody, you know, coming in early or something. I yeah doesn't seem like his style right I agree so he's his foot is stuck and these other two bozos do a thing that I just like cannot believe that they that they did I just I was like don't you guys realize what's going on here they see this open door to this grain silo and they and they both both of them not just one of them both of them walk into it 
and they go, huh, there's um, something that's like dangling down, but like, I can't quite reach it. So like, I'll boost you up and you can pull it yeah. down. And of course, as soon as they pull it down, the door slams shut behind them and it immediately starts pouring grain into them. Yeah. I would, I, who goes into a silo anyway? I, I, that's just, I, I saw that room the way it was set up and I was like, immediately, I don't want to be in this room. Get out. Like, this looks like yeah. doom. Absolutely. Silos are scary. People die in them all the time. Yeah. I think that if, if I were in this trap, if I were here, <laughs> I am so smarter than all of these people and never panic and I'm always put together. Exactly. So I know that I would be a better person. <laughs> exactly. Um, is, there were things kind of scattered around this barn um, that I think that they could have put in between the door and the door frame of that silo to at least try attempt yeah. attempt to keep that door from slamming shut behind them. Right. Like the door would have crushed probably whatever they used anyway, but at least it would have given them some credit. Exactly. That's what I'm looking for in these movies is I want to see our sensible characters who are surviving each of these traps to get smart and get better as they're going. I mean, wouldn't that be so like so much like catharsis as an audience yeah. to, to just be like, oh man, they tried their best and they still failed. Yeah. Like that's a really valid emotion that they could have pulled into here. Yeah. But they, they didn't. And so we get this like scene that I think is so, so silly. Like the, the grain is like rushing down into them. And <laughs> I was shouting at my TV. I was like, I <laughs> I was like, you had a shake and move, shake and move. Like you always want to be trying to be on top of the grain. I was like, stick to the walls. And then, you know, we get everything after the, the grain fills up and they can't move anymore. Then we get part two of this awesome trap, which is just random sharp objects flying down. This is all CGI. This is very CGI right here. Oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. We get all of these knives and blades and circular saws just gracefully perfectly arcing down and landing in the grain around our heroes right um a couple things do do pierce Mitch's mm -hmm. arm and anna gets some some scalpels but the overall like the big stuff avoids them and so how do they get out of this room they are dependent on ryan who is mm -hmm. stuck in the operation trap he has to pull a lever that's going to sever his leg. That's the only way for him to get out of his trap at this point. Because if you try to yeah. touch the wires, it will clamp down on his leg even more. So either way, he's losing his leg. It's just a matter of how fast he does it. So as soon as yeah. he pulls that lever, he's going to free his comrades. But um, he waits on it because that's not an easy thing to do. Um, as he's as he's weighing, he's got this weighing on his mind. They're getting more and more crazy cgi blades thrown at them um, but he does finally do it he pulls the lever his leg is severed it's it's really kind of cool to see um because the wires are crisscrossed in such a way that it slices mm -hmm. his leg into like three or four chunks i can't remember yep, yeah it does yeah it's three <laughs> you get to see it fall away and now he is he's free and they are free and they're all together again yeah uh, i i want to say really quick that 
when all of those sharp objects were falling down at them in the grain silo, I did pause to check if this movie was done in 3D or not and that I had just missed it up until this point because the shots were so like 3D movie style, like, you know, blades coming directly at the camera. It's not, but that's kind of the vibe you get from it. Yeah, totally. Back to the detective slash medical examiner what do you call what are they called so he's a pathologist and I think she's the the coroner yeah so yeah we go back to them briefly and Logan he goes to Eleanor and tells her like you know there's a lot of suspicion like around you like they don't really think that your alibi for like where you were when these things were taking place like makes sense and also she there's like all these incriminating things about her like she had kind of a bad alibi um she has this like deep keen fascination about the things that are going on and she had been given a really prestigious opportunity that she turned down to stay in the area and so logan's just kind of like hey what the fuck's going on like you look really suspicious right now and she's like oh you want to see suspicious (laughs) I'll show you suspicious. There is some funny <laughs> moments that happen in this scene with the detective also, because we we do see her interface with the detective and he doesn't, he, he comes in and says something about her being into, to kinky shit. Right. Yeah. yeah Cause she has tattoos mm-hmm. and red hair, I guess it's, it's so creepy yeah. and lame. Um, I think he even uses the word dark net, <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah. It's, it's so like it's kind of goofy like you can tell they're like oh we're like a new hip jigsaw movie like we know that like there are some kinky girls who are like into serial killers and like um and she like says something back to him about like like if he wants to be punished or something so they're kind of like playing with that like bdsm like type thing and it's like okay just because she has a sleeve and wears black orange glasses like doesn't mean she's a dom like it's so silly (laughs) yeah it is goofy and then I think he asks her why she didn't take the other job and her response is basically would you like to leave Saw City for Cleveland (laughs) so we know Saw City is more exciting than Cleveland at least um and I just want to say Eleanor this character this this is like if I ever could act in a movie or be in a movie like this is the role I aspire to. It's it's so fun. It's just goofy. She looks super cute. She's got good makeup. She's got nice hair and costume. She has a small, really low stakes role in a in a cool franchise. Um, She's great. I I really liked her role. I thought she was really good. She's been in a handful of other things. Um, yeah, she's been in a bunch of movies and she's been in a bunch of TV. I think she's she's not in anything that's like quite like A-list level, but like I thought she was like a really fun like addition to these movies. We need more just like fun female characters in these types of movies. Um not just like Jill Tux and then like the sensible victim. Like that's all it seems to be who we get every other movie. Um so last funny line to call out um this now again this movie is in 2017 and the is it logan who comes back and says now stamp collecting that's a hobby yeah in 2017 i just thought that was a really funny line because and and he says this when yeah when she shows him her studio quote unquote this is her alibi by the way she was hanging out here 
she was hanging out in her studio. And what's inside of her studio is all of our favorite saw traps from the past. She does real deal dioramas. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's like this museum, basically. It's, of course, like an abandoned building. (laughs) So she seems super suspicious. And she has... um, she has all of these traps, um, including the reverse bear trap that gets used so many times. Uh, there's the one uh, that's the rib one from Saw 4. You know, there's so many great, like, callbacks to uh, yeah. to the traps of the past. And I love that they don't kind of – she's not like, oh, this is from this yeah. victim. Like, it doesn't – she doesn't bother. And I love that. And then, of course, they show this – really large trap that we've never seen before in any movie and it's this hot bladed spiral that spins yeah and logan sees it and he's like what is that and she goes oh i built this one from his his plans plans. and she goes you know this is one that he had in his plans but i don't think was ever that he ever actually built and so i built it myself and you're just like Logan gets a big old boner. Yeah, and you know who has another big old voyeurism boner is Detective Hunt, yes. who followed them to the studio and is taking pictures <laughs> of this whole thing going down. Yeah, that's right. We also get a glimpse of Edgar, who is our our dude in the beginning with the button. Um, he's yep. he's been in the hospital. And he's being watched by a police officer, kind of, because this police officer, I think, is passed out. Um, And so some other villain off screen poisons the IV bag and now Edgar's dead. So he cannot provide any information about who Jigsaw is at this point. And not only is he dead, but he goes missing. Yeah. Yeah. So when the, the detectives get this call and Halloran, who's our like gruff older guy, is like, are you shitting me or whatever? And like, they go down to the hospital and he's just gone. I think that's generally it on the detective side. Although we do get some more exchange between Logan and Eleanor because, you know, Logan's like, Eleanor, you look really suspicious. And Eleanor is like, I'm not suspicious. I'm just a fan. And, and Logan's like, well, you know, who is suspicious Halloran and I don't know when they start to like when when Logan starts to say like you know who actually shot Edgar Munson you know the guy whose body's just went missing like someone shot him in the chest who would have shot him in the chest who stood to gain from shooting him in the chest someone who's working with Jigsaw uh so and then that comes back later he's starting to plant the seeds that there's someone in the police force who is working alongside Jigsaw, really trying to move any suspicion or blame off of him and Eleanor back onto Halloran. Yeah, this part of the movie kind of started to lose me because I was like, I don't really want to hear this right now. I don't want to hear your explanations. I know that you guys are going to explain the shit out of this at the end, and that's good enough. So I, my brain sort of like zones out a little bit when it starts doing this. Right. Yeah. Like the these scenes, I think I'm collapsing some of them a little bit because we're getting actually pretty close to yeah. the end of the movie here. We're kind of in like the last sprint. So um, I'll just summarize some of the stuff that goes on with um, with this. So Hunt has shown Haller in the photos of Eleanor's studio. The SWAT team comes in to do a raid. 
And what do they find in Eleanor's studio? They find a body. This part, it does sort of go back and forth a little bit, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, they kind of cut in between like getting the photos and like setting up the SWAT team to go look at it. And then like we're going back and forth to the barn. Maybe we just move into the the next trap then. Back in the, back in the barn, <laughs> we, we have Ryan who um, is now missing most of the, the bottom half of his leg. And we have Anna and Mitch still. And so those are, those are our remaining people. They leave Ryan where he's at. Because he he can't do anything. He's, He's been like losing so much blood. Yeah. So they just leave him there. And Mitch and Anna move into the next room. And this is where we see that trap that uh, Eleanor had rebuilt in her studio. The one that she claimed that uh, Jigsaw had never built before. It's this giant spiral machine that spins incredibly fast. And this one is really set up to be Mitch's trap. Yeah. There is. So what did, yeah. really quick before you get into it, since this is Mitch's trap, what'd you call it? I think I just called it Spiral of Death. I called it the Craigslist refund. Craigslist is great because Mitch finally starts to confess what had actually happened. No, that's not true. It's in the tape, right? The yeah. tape actually explains what Mitch had done. And what Mitch had done was he had a motorcycle that he had bought that had faulty brakes. And he just wanted to offload this bike and make a quick buck. And so he sells the bike for $600, doesn't tell the person who bought it that it had faulty brakes. And within five minutes of this person riding off on this motorcycle, they get hit by like a semi and die. What an asshole, right? It really sucks. Yeah. It's a dick move, Mitch. I just can't believe, I mean, okay, I know a marginal amount about motorcycles, and I know that if someone, like, listed on Craigslist, they were, like, new motorcycle, faulty brakes, selling for 600, people would buy it, because people would be like, oh, I can fix those brakes. Like, yeah, they'd be like, oh, fixing brakes on a new motorcycle, like, that I would be paying, like, between who knows, five and 10 grand for this motorcycle and I can get it for 600 bucks and then put the $1,500 in a new place. People would do that. (laughs) They would still buy it. (laughs) That'd be so easy. Like that, that's, that's a very normal thing. But for some reason he doesn't, he leaves that detail out. And then he acts all confused about why he's here. I mean, again, these traps are overkill, but that's a pretty obvious call out he could have made I mean he must have made it in his own mind right but if -hmm. you see how serious this guy is about these traps I feel like I would have just said it I would have just said it so they have a motorcycle that is actually running this spiral trap which is so goofy (laughs) and so basically the wheel of the motorcycle is spinning this trap and it's spinning really fast and he has to go head first down into this trap to get this this break. Yeah, he has to pull the break. Yeah, in order to stop it. And it's going so 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 fast and it gets so small as he's going down that you know he's going to lose something. Like yeah. there's no way he's going to get out of this without getting really grievously injured. It's like another operation trap kind of. Yeah. Can't touch yeah. the edges. And what happens is he kind of hits 
one side slightly and then he's just like in the throes of it and then he's just totally chopped up like he gets totally mangled by it but even before that Anna's helping she's trying to get up on top of the trap and stop the motorcycle wheel from turning she's she's jamming the wheel so that the spiral Mm -hmm. can stop and he can get out and she stops it she stops the trap and he has all of this time to reach down yes. and grab the brake. And he doesn't grab it. He just tries to yell at her to get him out. And I'm like, dude, pull the brake first at least, right? Like, Right. And this is what we wanted to see, ugh. like, in the grain silo trap, you know, is them trying to help each other. It was good to see her, like, try and jam it and stop it. Gave him plenty yes. of time. So much time to get it, but he spends so much time celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> that like then of course it breaks and it starts up again, and then he just gets totally chopped up. Yeah, and then this is when we kind of flash back to Eleanor and Logan hanging out in the in her creepy studio, and we see a mangled body. As as the movie is going, we're seeing our victims go through these traps, and as victims die, um, the the police and the detectives are finding these bodies or close to these bodies um, around the city. And so the first trap is the bucket heads one and they find a bucket head body. The second one is the purse snatcher girl um, with her like face melted. And then they find a face melted girl. And then with Mitch, his body gets totally, totally chopped up. And as the SWAT team is is coming down on Eleanor's studio, they find a false wall in her studio. And as they go into it, what drops down is this mangled body. Right. And so it's really kind of like, like showing us like, oh, the detectives are just behind the events that we're seeing for these victims. And then with Edgar Munson, he was the one who um, his body went missing from the hospital Right. And the the mayor decides like, oh, to qualm the city's fears because the city is gripped with fear right now. We're going to exhume John Kramer's body and prove that he's dead. They exhume the casket and they open it up and Edgar Munson's body right. is inside of the casket. I just wrote down, that's not John Kramer. I wrote down... Why no fresh dirt? Because if they got there to exhume the body, wouldn't they be like, oh, this grass is all disturbed. It looks like someone very recently dug up this grave and put a new body in it and then re- and then buried it again. Like, what? How did no one think about that? Bodies shuffling around all over the place in this movie. Yeah, and there's this, this ongoing cat and mouse between like, is it Halloran? Is it Eleanor? Like who who on our good guys team is actually a double agent and working for Jigsaw? Um, Logan go like actually breaks into Halloran's house and finds in the freezer um, these jigsawed pieces of skin <laughs> in the freezer. And he's like, Eleanor, look, look what I found. <laughs> it's definitely Halloran. And because Eleanor is such a Jigsaw fangirl, she's like, where would these types of traps take place? Like, if this was a real serial killer, like, this is the type of knowledge that people would have. And 
right. it, it basically she says, you know, Jigsaw's ex-wife, Jill Tuck, um, her family owned um, land just outside of the city. Um, I, I think it's been abandoned for like at least a decade. Like it's been abandoned for a long time, but we should go, we should go check it out um, and see, see if there's something out there. And so they, they take off to go um, check out what's happening at the barn. Little do they know that Halloran is in pursuit of them also. But now we are back in the barn, trap seven, and we are only left with Anna and Ryan. That's right. Anna tries to escape. She And she almost makes it. She really does. She's just like, you know what? This trap with the no exit door has already gone off. So I am just going to like pull on this door and try and get out. And she gets so close to like getting out of this door. Um, And then, of course, someone drugs her. And um, she and Ryan wake up. And who is with them? It's John Kramer. It's John Kramer. And I remember sitting in the theater seeing this. And I was like, okay, how are they going to explain this? (laughs) I was like, wait, this doesn't look like a flashback. It looks like he's really there. And this is a more classic jigsaw trap. And it's like, if you'd only just done this like throughout the movie, like this would have like just made it gel a little bit more. So there is, um, there's a gun between the two of them, between Anna and Ryan. Jigsaw explains to them what their crimes were that put them in this situation. Since they still haven't really confessed. Um, I think Anna's is way worse than Ryan's, by the way. Oh yeah. Hers is really bad. So Ryan, when he was a teenager, so this is a guy who's got to be like in his forties right? Like late thirties, maybe early forties. Or maybe like a late (laughs) thirties. A little rough late thirties. And he, he, when he was a a kid was like in a joyride with his friends and it, they're going super fast, caused a head on collision. An explosion. And it's a huge explosion. All three of his friends died. The people in the other car died. And when they were being, you know, when he was being interviewed after the fact by the police, he he basically put 100% of the blame on his friends yeah. and took no blame for himself. Which has kind of been his MO this whole time. Like, he's just like, whatever, I don't care. I'm not taking responsibility for this. Nothing matters. He's so blasé about the way he treats, um, like, the people in his life. Like, he's like, yeah, I've been married twice, divorced both of them, cheated on both of them you know, sold bad mortgages. Like he just does not care that he's a bad person. The thing I don't like about Ryan and the, the thing I don't like about the purse snatcher girl also is that John does not have a direct connection to either of them. Yeah, And I don't like that because in general, all of the other victims, henchmen, et cetera, in these movies typically have some connection to John himself. He pretty much stays within his network. And so I tend to not like it when there's just like one or two like randos in here. I'm just like, why? When every when like 90% of your other victims are people that you knew personally or were like close acquaintances of people that you knew personally, like it just feels a little random to have these other people brought in. Yeah. And it's not clear how he knows so many details about their lives either. Like, how do, how would he know if the kid was lying? Exactly. So, yeah, it's it's sort of just thrown in and 
and Mitch too. Mitch is also another rando. Anna's story is so is so tragic and I hate it so much. It's just really really terrible. Anna was John Kramer's next door neighbor. Um, and he even acknowledges, he's like, she helped me out a lot when I was going through my chemo treatments and she and her husband have a baby and her husband is blissfully sleeping away one night while her baby is up crying inconsolably and she can't take it. And so she takes her baby and smothers it. And then she puts her dead baby in the bed and makes it look like her husband smothered the baby while he was sleeping. And he is just so wracked with guilt afterwards that he hangs himself. Yep. He kills himself. And so she lost her baby and her husband from, from this incident. And the thing I, I want to be like extremely like empathetic towards like, maybe she had like postpartum psychosis, which is, which is totally a thing. And like, but at the same time, she, um, throughout this movie, she's like, well, my husband did it. Like, why am I being blamed for all of these things when my husband is the person who made the mistake? And so she, even towards like the end, she's like, not, um, sorry. And is, is unwilling, totally unwilling to take any credit or blame for, for the events that went on in her life. Yeah. She really just sells her husband up the river. I mean, it's funny. They kind of show him being dragged away. Um, by kind of seems like psych, like psychiatric. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he, and he goes crazy and, and she just, she not only abandons him in that moment, right? Like she, when she's dealing with her kid, she just abandons him emotionally after he's dead. She's like, this was all his fault. I'm, that is now my new truth. I am never going to take responsibility for this. That must be the only way she could live with herself though. Yeah. Is if she, is she's just like, I just have to like compartmentalize this and rewrite this history. Yeah. In, into this way. And I, I don't, I'm not giving her a pass or anything. I think that it's like a, a terrible, terrible thing that she's done. And I, I like this backstory maybe the best out of all the backstories that we've seen because it is so complicated. Yeah. Right. It is. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good backstory where it's one where it's like, man, she obviously had a mental break of some kind. Um, But then the fact that she was never able to recover from that mental break or able to take credit for it. you know just all these things I just I like how that played into it she and and Ryan are not evenly matched victims here though no. like she, it seems like Jigsaw like really has a bone to pick with her and not Ryan so much Ryan's just kind of a prop Ryan's a jerk act. but he has nothing to do with Jigsaw right um so so he brings out the shotgun that's been between the two of them and he holds up a one shotgun shell and he says that the key to your freedom is inside this, right? Yeah. Um, and he also says the phrase, you've got it backwards, which is what I named this trap. I thought of it as the Elmer Fudd trap. <laughs> That's good. You know, when like Elmer Fudd tries to sh- shoot at Bugs Bunny, but Bugs has like kind of rigged the gun so it actually fires back at Elmer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. 
So he puts he puts the shotgun shell inside the shotgun. He puts it down and leaves the two to their fate. So before we talk about how this trap actually ends, I had a guess as to how this trap would work. I kind of tried to do that more and more um, as the series goes on, went on, just to see if I could guess how the trap was going to work right. Um, this one, this movie, I think I was the most correct. Um, but with this one, since he said, you've got it backwards, what I thought she was supposed to do was commit suicide, like shoot, put the, put the barrel in her mouth and, and shoot it. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then something was going to come out the other end. Did you have any guesses or, or did you just sort of watch it? (laughs) Yeah. So when I was, I think that I, my thought was similar to yours where like she would actually do it, like would pull the trigger and then maybe it would just like not fire. Yeah. Cause like that's what he wanted her to to do. And like it, it would be a symbol of her actually taking credit in some way for the things right. that she had done. Right. So I was really bummed because it turns out we would have, we would have had the same kind of ending as her. <laughs> We would have, yeah. we would have actually ruined our key to freedom, um, because as as we find out, she she takes the shotgun, she decides that what John really wanted was for her to shoot Ryan for some reason. Why why would that ever be what he wanted? I don't know how she could listen to any of the things that he said and think that that's what he wanted her to do. Yeah, she's a she's a nut now. I mean, she's like lied to herself for so long that she just doesn't even I don't know. It's like she doesn't get it. She doesn't get what's going on or or how what she's done, you know, has affected John. John is okay. uh, making this about him. So she shoots she goes to shoot Ryan and um the shotgun has been rigged to explode. So it explodes in her in her face back at her. And what falls out of the shell, but the key that would have unlocked both of them. Yeah. And it's all bent and busted. So they can't use it. So Ryan's going to starve to death and, or probably not starve to death. He'll, you know, run out of water first, but, um, and then she, she gets a shotgun shell explosion to the face and that that's how they end. Yeah. But we still have another twist to get through. (laughs) Yeah, this is not the end. We see Logan and Eleanor, uh, they get to the barn and um, they're looking around. They see see fresh blood throughout the barn as they're going. As they're coming through it, Halloran um, comes around the corner, um, ambushes them. Eleanor takes off, but Logan's knocked out. Um, but then Halloran also gets like taken out by someone, some, someone we don't see. So Logan and Halloran, they then wake up inside of their own trap. Did you have a name for this one? Uh, I just called it laser necks. I couldn't come up with a good name. Yeah. I wanted to name it something around like star Wars because of the lasers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like this movie has so many lasers in it it does i just don't i don't know <laughs> why get all these lasers. Decided, i don't know why they decided lasers were the thing to do in I this know. movie but i had wanted to give it some sort of resident evil name because it reminded me of that scene in resident evil where the guy gets cubed by the that little mesh yeah mesh of lasers so it kind of reminded me of that 
we see here actually that Logan is connected to John Kramer. Um, so Logan, who has been working as a pathologist, um, he had been working in Saw City Hospital and he had mislabeled John Kramer's x-rays with someone else's name. He just, he just done a switcheroo. He accidentally labeled the wrong x-rays. And so John Kramer's brain tumor went undiagnosed for much longer than it should have. And um, that meant that he didn't get the treatment he needed in time, which ultimately caused him to die. Yeah. That's actually what connects us to the first movie. This guy is involved in the first movie. We just never really see him in the first movie. After Logan confesses, the lasers like ignite on his collar and the lasers kind of like you think they're going to go through his head, um, but they actually like turn and like look like they go through his neck and like blood spurts out and he looks like he dies. Yeah. And I, and when I saw this in the theaters, I was like, wait, there's no marks on his face. Those are lasers. <laughs> what, what happened? So right. I, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I guess I just didn't understand the trap. And then there was a part of me that was like, okay, but I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. Right. That, and which is a good thing to do. I think that when I had seen it, I was like, oh, is this just bad special effects yeah. or does this yeah exactly work differently than I expected it to weird right so then um Halloran confesses and Halloran basically says that he lets perps walk you know he um he gets he gets some kind of like money or something um for for letting like criminals go free right he's a generally bad cop and and he sort of you know vaguely confesses to a lump sum of bad things he's done as a cop. Then after Halloran confesses, Logan, he does, you know, kind of a classic jigsaw move. The like, oh, you thought I was dead? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And so he stands up um, and he then tells Halloran that he wanted him to confess And this is where, like, the big twist of the movie comes out is that the game that had taken place with our five victims that we had seen earlier had actually happened many years earlier. It was not taking place at the same time as the events of the current investigation. And this part that I, I remember being in the theater and being, like, actually surprised by this. Yeah. That the fifth buckethead person, the one who was passed out, and like looks like they die was actually Logan. Right. So Logan was a, a jigsaw victim all of these years ago. Yeah. There's even a shot late uh midway through the movie somewhere where we see Logan's back and it's covered in scars. And yeah. and they don't talk about that at all, but it all makes sense here. He was the guy who was the fifth bucket and and ran into the wall of of circular saws. And that's right. where those scars came from. Exactly. And I think that because they they drop in like, oh, he he served in Fallujah. He served in Fallujah. Like, and then they show his back midway through the movie. I had assumed, oh, it's because he was special ops and he'd been tortured in Iraq. Because you see it and you're like, oh, shit, this, this 
veteran was tortured in Iraq yeah. during the war. And then later you're like, oh man, that's actually from the circular saws from the trap that he survived. Yeah. So I actually, I thought that that was a really nice detail. Like the, the, they're really trying to oversell it, I think, by by doing the veteran thing. But it does actually work. <laughs> it does work because, like, you do get tricked into thinking it. Yeah. And and this part, I, I did appreciate that. I really did appreciate the twist in this. It was, it was something new. But what I didn't appreciate was John Kramer deciding now, oh, Logan made an honest mistake. He can't be held accountable for failing this trap. I don't like that. His his reason for getting into this trap was an honest mistake. And you didn't have a problem with that, Kramer. So I, I didn't I I was like, that's that's a that's a weak reason, I think, for John to save him from the trap. But I digress. Yeah, it's not great. And then, you know, one thing I thought was interesting was Logan says that he's been working with Jigsaw all this time. And of course you're like, wait, but they, there have been fresh bodies that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And that was because Logan recreated the game in the barn with new victims. And he, he used victims that Halloran had um, let off for his crimes. So he, so that kind of ties up that, like, where did those new bodies come from? Logan had just been running the same game yeah, and, um, again. And we realized that Eleanor has been a red herring. Get it? Uh, <laughs> that's pretty thing. good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Logan has told Halloran, here's how this is going to go down. You're doomed. And he reignites the trap for Halloran. So Halloran is going to feel the effects of the lasers. Mm-hmm. And he does. And he gets all sliced up. It's pretty great. It, they So the lasers, when they, when they go through the person's head, it, the lasers are tilting inwards towards the face. So they're starting straight up and then they tilt in. And so they create this cool like star pattern at, as the beams cross. Um, and so this is how his head gets sliced. It's super cool. It's it's almost like a if you imagine a banana peel, but without any banana on the inside. It's just like peels apart into like six or eight slices. I forget. Um, and you see the inside of his brain and his face, and it's great and gross. I love it. Did you ever see the TV series Hannibal? No, I haven't watched that yet. As of this month. Netflix has all three seasons. Oh, okay. There's one scene that I'll tell you, I don't, it's not spoiling anything, but it's just like pretty horrific is, um, one of, one victim of a, of a serial killer in the show. Um, they slice apart the body in like full dissection slices, like cross sections through the body and then the killer puts them between like panes of glass and so when they go into this studio they just see this body that looks like it's been like a technical diagram like that's an like an explosion of parts that shows like how it would be put together it's like that but then they they like can walk in between each of the panels and see the cross section of each of the bodies and it's this 
it's really cool oh, and like so Hannibal's cool. like amazing but like it kind of reminded me of that because it's like the, the cross section of like the head yeah that kind of reminds me no, let's just keep going that kind of reminds oh, me yeah. of the cell um when they're walking around in the the dream place and that horse is like sliced yep. into a bunch of parts but the horse keeps moving it's really cool it's a really cool effect and it's so like viscerally creepy and you know it's it's very anatomical and so you're just like oh like you don't normally see the inside of brains and bones like that so it's really yeah really cool that's it that's the movie that's that's pretty much it we end with logan slamming the door we get this this shot of logan slamming the barn door shut it had just happened like a minute or two a few minutes ago when uh, John Kramer shut the door for the you've got it backwards trap. And so it was like this cool visual symbol of this guy becoming the new jigsaw, which I really hope doesn't happen <laughs> because I really don't want them to bring him back in Spiral. I don't know if they will. I haven't looked up anything about Spiral, but I'm really hoping that Spiral is just another straight reboot that's what I'm really hoping for I'm kind of hoping uh, yeah either a reboot would be okay but I'm also okay with Saw like because Saw's dead Jigsaw's dead if this cult kind of like picks up in a new place or like with a new detective team somewhere else um, that way we don't have to worry about tying it back to all of these other movies So either way, yeah, I kind of just want it to separate from this uh, current franchise as it stands. But yeah. So I want to pose this question to you, Kate. What do you think happened to the other guy in the x-ray mislabeling? Yeah, I was was wondering wondering if they were like, oh, shit, you have this huge brain tumor. And then they like operate on him and they're like, sir, you are a miracle. (laughs) Yeah, he just got some extra chemo. Right. Like, I imagine that that guy, they would have, like, maybe done, like, another, like, couple of, like, MRIs or or x-rays on him. Maybe done, like, a biopsy and then just been like, wow, it seems like the chemo is, like, aggressively effective on you. Oh, my God. Do you think he would have had to pay for all that? (sighs) Of course. All those MRIs. Soft takes place in America. So, yes. (laughs) I have a question for you. What do you think happens to Eleanor? I mean, I think... So she, she, don't the police sort of catch up to her? They see her and she kind oh, of flags yeah, them down. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, because she's been sent out. You know, he he sent her out to run away and, and stay safe, basically. Um, so she's going to she's gonna come back with the police and they're all going to think it was Halloran because now, similar to um, that detective that gets squished, um, it's it's now been set up for this guy to take the fall. So I think she's just going to keep on keeping on. Maybe maybe her and Logan will hook up. <laughs> they can start a new Saw family. Um, and this is, I will admit, I did not get this from watching the movie. I just totally missed it. But like when I was reading a recap, um, prepping for it this morning, one of the criminals that Halloran let walk um, had killed Logan's wife. Or had been like involved in had been involved in some way that had caused his wife to die. Yeah, I, I also missed that. All right, should we do our our recommendations? Who we re- recommend this movie to? Yeah, we should. I think it's a good B or C. Not not even a C. It's a good B level horror movie, and I think that it it pretty much stands on its own. 
it's shot pretty well. The dialogue is okay. <laughs> it's like not terrible. I've seen other like B horror movies that don't have the same like fun factor with the traps and everything like that. So I think that like if you're just like a general horror fan and like you've seen like Saw 1, maybe a couple of the sequels and you're like, oh, I want more of this world. Like I want to see more like people going through traps. Like if you're like very interested in this like torture trap genre of movie, it's like a, it's a good kind of standalone Saw entry. I, so I would recommend it kind of for like a general reason like that. But like we were saying at the beginning, it does so much to change the overall arc of the storyline of the series. And it really changes up the canon of the story. So I think that if you're a diehard Saw fan, you've seen them all, um, you've taken the time to piece together all the flashbacks and when henchmen came in at which point and then you watch this movie and it just totally blows up the whole world (laughs) it's just it's not a movie that really adds to the overall series and I think it detracts from the overall series when you try to make it work with the rest of them yeah I I pretty much agree um I you know I watched this with Zach he hadn't seen it yet and he liked it and he's not even a Saw fan so I think I recommend this movie to anybody who wants to just get their, get their toes wet. Um, it, again, it's, it don't try to fit it into the first saw one through seven. It just, it doesn't quite work. Um, but if you go into it knowing that, and you just want to watch a decent horror movie, it's pretty good. It's, it's fun. Um, it's like you said, it's got great cinematography and some of the traps are pretty cool. Um, I don't think any of the characters are really that relatable or, you know, don't, you don't really seem to care too much about any of these main characters. Um, but I do think that they had a nice, a nice setup at the end with, um, the woman who we think is, is nice all along. It turns out she's the worst <laughs> of them all. Um, so there were things I enjoyed, things I didn't, didn't like, but I think you I think you can enjoy this movie if you go into it, not expecting it to fit with the rest of Saw. Right. They're like on a technical level, like the, we, we keep saying that the cinematography is really good. Um, There's not really the fast choppy editing. There's a distinct lack of green and yellow. Like no flashbacks really. I mean, if you want to count everything in the barn as one giant flashback, Right, but, but but no flashbacks to stuff we've already seen. Exactly, which I Everything do is like. New. Yeah, yeah, so it does depart from those saw conventions, but I think it departs from them in a really positive way, and it makes mm-hmm. me really hopeful for Spiral. Me too. One day we will get to see Spiral. I really hope that we don't have to go see it at like a drive-in movie theater. Uh, (laughs) I would, I would love to be able to go back to the movie someday, but I totally understand that that landscape is probably going to be very different. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. I can't wait. Well, this was Jigsaw and that wraps up our original series. So while we're, while we're in this kind of limbo point waiting for um, Spiral to come out, And we have in the works a plan for a series finale episode um, with some fun segments in it, Um, trying to to get some things pulled together. So stay tuned for that. And we really look forward to also talking about what our future seasons will look like. Cool. Thanks for listening. 
this has been Not Quite Dead. Make sure to check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, you know, if you're feeling a little wild and crazy, why don't you try listening to them out of order? It's not like the Saw movies make sense anyway. Or, you know, listen to them in order, as they were intended. Either way, thanks for listening to our show. Don't get sawed.